Welcome back, everybody, to the Fantasy Injury Team Podcast. I am your host, Joe D'Amico. We've got a special edition episode for you here, recording on a Monday in the wake of all the injuries across the league and the unfortunate news of the Tua injury and, of course, concussions that happen all the time throughout the NFL. We decided today we wanted to bring on a special guest with me, as always, is the doctor of physical therapy, Tom Christ, but we've got someone else on board today. Andrew Tierketter goes by TK. Andrew's a doctor of PT and a board-certified clinical specialist in neurological PT. He's a concussion specialist and the head of Atrium Health, uh, the, the concussion clinic at Atrium Health. He's also the author of our concussion page on the FIT website. Got a lot of great insight for us. We're happy to have you on the show. What's going on, TK? Not much, man. Thanks for having me. Happy to have you. And Tom, what's going on with you, man? Growing out the mustache here on this. You know, I, I decided to chop off the rest of it and just leave the mustache. Boots you well, Tom. Thank you. I appreciate it. As the birds keep winning, that's just going to keep getting longer. But I'll let you boys take it away and talk your uh, absolutely. You talk all your medical information here. So again, thanks for thanks for coming, TK. And yeah, uh, you know, some some good information here to come. So I'll sit back and listen. And Tom, uh, what kind of questions you got for him? Ready to go here. Yeah. So TK Thursday night, right when Tua went down with that injury, you texted me and, and what did you say? What, what was your analysis of what he was doing with his hands and all of that? Yeah. Um, so first off, obviously not good, which is why I texted you because I knew you'd be interested. Um, but specifically what he was doing was, um, it's called posturing, uh, specifically for Tua. it's called, um, decorticate posturing. Um, AKA otherwise known as the fencing position, which you might've, if you, anybody's read up on um, his injury, kind of what, what they've referred it to. Um, but it's uh, yeah, there's two different posturing positions that the brain kind of um, performs under a serious injury. One's decorticate and one's decerebrate, but two is specifically is called decorticate posturing. And what does that indicate? So it indicates a significant um, neurological insult to the brain. And so, um, you don't, so with the concussion, what kind of separates that from a more severe brain injury is the lack of any actual structural damage. So I know if, if you followed his injury, um, ESPN later said that MRIs were negative, CT was negative. He actually was watching movies on the plane flight home. Um, but that doesn't mean that a, a serious or a significant neurological neurological injury hat didn't happen. And so in Tua's case, uh, um, essentially when, when you posture, you can think of it as there's we go down the brain. So brain to brain stem, a lot of our reflexes live in the brain stem. And so when the brain is essentially completely cut off from the brain stem, a lot of our postural reflexes start to come out. And in Tua's case, that's, that's what happened. So, and that that's interesting because it's, it tells us that that's a significant injury, but he was able to, it sounds like recover mm -hmm very, very quickly. I know that a lot of us were expecting him to stay overnight in the hospital or maybe a couple nights. Mm -hmm. um, how, is this common or is, I'm sure this is not common that you see people bounce back that quick. Yeah. And so when, um, in concussions, obviously we know, even though, you know, they can be more significant and they, they do vary, uh, a majority of them, they don't require hospital stays or any sort of, you know, significant immediate medical intervention. Uh, um, but you're right, Tom, you don't, you typically do not see posturing with a concussion. That's a very significant, um, very significant injury. And I'm, I'm surprised that he, uh, he was not monitored for a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, typically, you know, once, 
they kind of stabilize and, and they come out of their loss of period of loss of consciousness, you know, they're a little bit groggy, fatigued, a lot of post-concussive symptoms. But other than that, you know, like I said, too, it was good. He's obviously not playing for this this week, but he was good to go fly home with the team. So, yeah, it's really, really good to hear there, obviously. Hard to put like a, a number on it, I guess, TK. But I mean, and every concussion is different. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. learning every every injury, of course, is different. Yeah. I mean, how long do you see him being out? You think this is something that's going to hold him out? Of course, it's you know, a number on it, but that's a great question. I figured you would ask it. Um, it's really hard to tell. And, you know, the, the NFL's average, there was a study that came out a few years ago, but over like a six year span, um, the average return to play in the NFL was 19 days. Um, now you look at it, T Higgins, for instance, was concussed two weeks ago. He's on my fantasy team. Um, and I didn't play him and he came back the next week and dropped like 14 points. So, um, everything yeah, looks pretty good. Every concussion is completely yeah. different, but in Tua's case, um, the reason his injury was so bad and the reason he, he wound up going into that posturing position was the, well, I'm sure we'll get to the, the, uh, um, the bills game with his initial injury, but he, that, um, that was my he, next question. So yeah, just it was go the, right lack into of, it. the lack of time between the two is why we had such a significant response with what, typically would not cause even a concussion. Um, but in Tua's case, man, you know, he's going to be a longer recovery just because of the back-to-back and how short period of time he had. That's just physiologic. It's going to take Tua a long time. Now, I can see the NFL going two ways with this. I can see them being very conservative and kind of trying to save face. And I could honestly see this being half a season, maybe a season for Tua, um, just for – the severity of it and kind of the bad press they've gotten from it. I can also see the NFL once two is good to go, just putting him back out there and trying to sweep it under the rug and say, this really wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but if you want my honest opinion, I say at least three, four weeks for Tua, um, you know, a lot of the, the athletes that I see were sitting around 16, 17 days, and that's just from one concussion. So I see this at least being three to four weeks. There's just so much, bad publicity around it. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know if this is something the NFL can just like sweep under the rug. I mean, even people that are not interested in football are talking about it, you know, from the medical standpoint, the medical field, like, no, it's, it's nuts. And then, um, obviously not to the same degree, but Cameron Bray, um, yesterday had a similar injury where he was concussed with like a minute and a half left in the, in the half and he played the remainder of the half. And so, I think that's what's kind of scary with these guys is, you know, every concussion is different. Like you said, Cameron Bray didn't have any symptoms until halftime um, until kind of the adrenaline and everything worn off. And just because Tua might've been asymptomatic and he might've passed all his tests, but that doesn't mean he wasn't concussed. Um, So, yeah. I mean, you watch the video of him when he gets up and it's, it's, it's ugly. Yeah. That, that, that brings me to my next question. What, what is the concussion testing like? And I'm sure, you know, like everything in the medical field, nothing's a hundred percent. I'm mm-hmm. sure that there are false negatives where somebody mm-hmm. truly does have a concussion, but they pass all the tests. What, yeah. what does that look like? So for the NFL, um, I'm sure that the, the protocol is going to be shaken up a little bit um, by this deservedly. So, but they have a series of steps. So they have, um, a spotter in the booth that's an athletic trainer who signals down if there is any sort of event that looks like, even if an athlete doesn't, you know, show any concussion symptoms, if there's a play that looks like it could have caused a concussion, an ATC will signal down and they'll pull the player off the field. And to his case, him stumbling around, 
Um, they were like, yeah, get this guy out and eval him. So they took him to the locker room and there's, there's a, a set of rules that if any player demonstrates any one of these red flag symptoms, so to speak, that player's pulled until they're cleared by a, by a trauma consultant, a neurotraumatist. Now, um, you know, in the locker room, each physician is different. And so what that particular eval by that neurotraumatist looked like, I can't really tell you, but I'm assuming it would comprise of, you know, kind of your typical standardized questions to a balance exam, to looking at his, um, his limbs and even a numbness and tingling, anything like that. But, um, he probably passed his balance exam, said he didn't have any symptoms and went back on his way. Now where the, uh, where the kind of controversy lies in this is one of those no go red flag symptoms is what people keep referring it to is gross motor instability. Um, so we saw Tua stumbling around and the best way I can kind of describe this to people is if that was a boxing match and someone got up like that, the ref would have called it right there. Like that, they, they would not have let him keep boxing yet Tua passed all these tests and was able to go back in and we saw the result of it. But, um, that's where the controversy lies. And they said that it was his back. Um, even though I've never seen a back injury cause someone to stumble like that, but you know um, he could have passed all his tests, but you know, end all be all that they couldn't really find a reason for that gross motor instability. And, uh, and that's ultimately what I think led to that trauma consultant being um, fired by the NFL. Now, whether that's a scapegoat or not is a different conversation, but um, yeah. So I think he passed, you know, or is asymptomatic with a lot of his tests and two was a really good athlete. So he, his balance is probably still fine. Whether he was symptomatic or not, he could have just said he wasn't. But um, that gross motor instability is still the red flag that they kind of kind of brushed under the rug. Are the guys that are doing these tests in the locker room, are they team doctors? Is that like for in this case, is this going to be yeah. somebody from the Dolphins? No, so that's a somebody great from the NFL that comes in. Because That's a great question is the Dolphins team physician does his own eval, but then in order to be clear to go back into the game, there has to be an independent neurotraumatist. And so what that is, is someone who the NFL pays them and they're at the game for my, for my understanding, he's paid. I don't know if he is or not, but when they said they fired him, I'm assuming he was paid, um, but he's an independent traumatist. So he doesn't work for the NFL and that's kind of their, their way of excluding bias from the situation. Um, and so, of course, making sure the players are truly safe too. I mean, exactly, yeah. Just yeah. And I think, I think where this really boils down to me is, you know, I, I played football in college and, you know, when you're an athlete, like your instincts take over and you want to get back in, whether or not it's the best for you. And that's where this protocol and these physicians and these team doctors need to step up and, you know, you got to protect the players from themselves and, you know, whether Tua was truly asymptomatic. And the thing that I was reading up on this is they had a short week, obviously played on Sunday and Thursday. So they didn't have practice on Monday and Tua was limited from his ankle and his back anyway. So he never really practiced Tuesday, Wednesday. So he didn't have a chance to start running around and get his heart rate up and really see if he was symptomatic or not before he got into the game. You're doing a great job of transitioning into my next question. Yeah, you're good, man. <laughs> so explain to everyone what you mean by getting a chance to see how he responds when his heart rate gets up. Like, yeah. So when, when you're in the, the return to play protocol, every protocol is kind of based off of the same construct. The NFL's is a step shorter than the NCAAs. Don't know why it's only five, but essentially the first step is, is um, kind of low threshold kind of aerobic cardio. So getting your heart rate up and seeing if when your heart rate really starts, you know, more blood starts flowing, you're kind of demanding more of your brain. If any symptoms kind of start to show their really ugly head. So essentially, are you 
you're running on an empty gas tank and you start to crank that car, does, does it start to putter or are you good to go? And, um, and to his case, you know, if he was in a true return to play protocol, they would have gone through those steps. And each step goes from, you know, graded aerobic cardio to sport related exercise to drills and seeing with each, each increase in intensity, are they asymptomatic? And as to his case, uh, they might have tested him. He, might, he very well might have tested fine, but um, we don't know for sure. I'm not sure by week. And he never entered the, the return to play protocol after the Bills game. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And that a lot of times becomes part of the concussion rehab, right? Like mm -hmm. in increasing that threshold of how high uh, an athlete's heart rate can get without getting symptoms. Yeah. What, what else goes into concussion rehab? Like you're a concussion specialist. You do this all day long. What are, what are you typically doing with your patients? Yeah. So it depends obviously on where they are in their recovery, but in the, uh, the acute stages right after the injury, um, it's just to keep them active and get their heart rate up. And what you're doing is you're for an athlete, someone like Tua, who's, you know, very special, especially he's very conditioned. They'll decondition in a matter of 48, 72 hours. So at 48 hours, you want these guys doing some sort of activity. Um, but you want it to kind of be guided by symptoms. And what I mean by that is if you have them on a treadmill or a bike and they're starting to get a headache, they're starting to get dizzy, you kind of back off. You let the brain kind of tell you what it's ready for. Um, rather than old research, I can't remember who it was, but God, 10, 15 years ago, that college coach who just locked a kid in a, in a closet for a whole practice. Um, that whole go sit in a dark room and don't do anything is on its way out. Rest is actually is actually negative with the, with the recovery. We want to stimulate the brain to heal. And the only way it's going to know to heal and overcome something is if we, you know, tell it, Hey, this is what you have to do. So a lot of it is getting their heart rate up, kind of helping pump out that inflammation within the brain. Um, and then slowly desensitizing them to movement to a lot of players are dizzy with movement of their eyes, movement of their bodies, kind of helping them desensitize to that, getting them back into their body, tolerating more explosive movements. And, um, for these, uh, these NFL guys, a lot of it is dual task. And so when you're playing football, you're running, but you're also reading your keys. You're, you're trying to read a block. You're trying to catch a pass. You're trying to adjust to an offensive player. So a lot of that is, um, my heart rate's up and I'm doing all these things, but I'm also thinking at the same time. Um, and so that's where a lot of, uh, a lot of the, the literature and assuming a lot of my rehab and the NFL's rehab goes in those later stages. And, um, something I'm really interested to, to look out for, and this, this, I don't know if you're going to ask this, but there's a really high, uh, um, coincidence between concussions and then significant leg and lower extremity injuries later down the line. Um, now where that happens is your brain is not able to process what's coming in quite so quickly. And so the output is not as good. So kind of their adjustments when, you know, making a cut or adjusting to something, their body's not quite as fine tuned to adjust. And that's where a lot of that dual task kind of multitasking rehab comes into play. But with Tua's, you know, bilateral high ankle sprain injuries, I mean, he's already dealing with an ankle. I'm interested to see if once he comes back from this, if he has kind of recurrent leg injuries going forward, but. Yeah, that, that last part there is fascinating because mm -hmm. from a player performance standpoint, they typically don't appear to be too much affected by it. But mm -hmm. that's really interesting that they're starting to see a correlation between yeah. your injuries that aren't even head injuries. Mm -hmm. It's like a two times risk to like a twice. Wow. It's like a 1.98 is the risk factor for, for, for having a, a lower extreme injury. And what they mean by that is they quantified it down to like ACL and um, high ankle sprains. So. 
Wow. Like maybe like overcompensating or, or Tom, it's like some of the other injuries we talked about where you injure one thing. That's why we always talk about the thing injury prone and you injure mm-hmm. one thing, you're overcompensating for something else. I had no idea that the brain or I mean the brain, obviously, but concussions also affected other injuries too. That's yeah. It's, it's fascinating. It's, you got to think about it. We always think about uh, one of the old school concussion tests that still being used is called the drop stick test. And so you have someone's arm hanging off a table and you essentially just drop a stick with a hockey puck on the end and you see how quickly can they grab that stick. So you kind of measure how far down the stick they can grab it. You're looking at reaction time. So with that, as you think about these athletes in the matter of, matter of milliseconds, they need to adjust, you know, a cut to re block and get in a hold or adjust to a defender or something like that. And so if the body is lagging behind, you're not able to, to fire your muscles as quickly or as accurately to protect your knee or protect your ankle when you're making a fine tune adjustment like that. Um, this is interesting, fascinating stuff. Yeah, really, really fascinating stuff. Um, and we certainly hope the best for Tua and, and for all these players who, uh, who suffer concussions throughout the season. Uh, TK, thank you so much for coming on. Um, yeah, man. This is really, really informative. I think I think everybody's going to really learn something when they listen to this. Do you have any questions for us before we let you go? Um, it's like an interview here. Any questions for yeah, us? Yeah, man. You you're, always, uh, you're always supposed to have one prepared, but you're really you're my my, my quarterback situation on my fantasy team is pretty trash. Um, I'm I'm debating going back between Aaron Rodgers and Carson Wentz. The only two I got. Oh yeah. man, <laughs> I don't think that's that bad. That's not as bad as it could yeah, be. You got some guys not. emerging in Green so, Bay a little bit. So here, I mean. he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing about Carson Wentz. As an Eagles fan, I know him all too well. <laughs> he is vintage Carson Wentz this season. He started off looking great. It's like, oh mm-hmm. my god, we can trust this guy. And then what happens? The wheels fall off, and they fall off fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree with Joe. Like you, I think you, we'll start seeing Rodgers playing a little yeah. bit better Some of i've been holding on man i've been waiting yeah just go by matchups man it's stash them both go matchups and uh and figure it out you know i drafted justin fields late and that was uh that was a bust oh, so boy yeah well, make sure that you listen to our last episode when i discuss how, how <laughs> yes. the bears offense performs oh my god don't get <laughs> joe started about the bears offense yeah i watched well, the first person against the giants this week how they just refused to throw the football and uh and we saw it pretty much, pretty much yeah. come into fruition again. Probably a reason they refuse to throw it, but um, oh my <laughs> awesome. How about my dirty birds though? Two and two, man. Yeah, they're they're definitely outperforming my expectations. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, we'll see if Mariota makes it the whole season, but he's got to uh, start throwing to Kyle Pitts. That's what he needs to do, oh, please, yeah. from all of us, please. <laughs> TK, Anyways. you're you're very very well spoken, man. We appreciate yeah. you so appreciate much. You, was, you need anything else? Awesome let me know. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. Any more questions for me, guys? That's it. We appreciate you coming on. Awesome. Y'all have a good night. All right. You too. Appreciate you. you.